from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. Sometimes Christians have their own language that can be hard for newcomers to understand. Oftentimes Christians talk about being sanctified. That's an important word, but what does it mean? Well, at root, it means to be set apart for another purpose. In our common understanding, we do this all the time. We set apart utensils for specific cooking, tools for different tasks, and clothes for different occasions. There was a time when many people had a room in their home that was only used for guests and for entertaining. We have received many things that are appropriate for one purpose, while altogether inappropriate for another. But what does it mean to be set apart for the purposes of God? When we talk about utensils or tools or clothes, we're talking about our possessions. And in our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we must freely acknowledge that we are his possessions. And the scriptures tell us that he has ordained that all those belonging to him should be set apart for a unique purpose. What is that purpose? Here is Dr. D. James Kennedy with his message, Purity in an Impure World. Our scripture lesson this morning is taken from the second chapter of the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Chapter 2, verse 18. May we hear the inspired word of the living God. And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and heart, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. And may God, the Holy Spirit, who inspired these words, speak 
through them this day to our hearts, and may his name ever be praised. Amen. We're examining the letter that Christ wrote to the church at Thyatira. Christ, the one who had the flaming eyes and the burnished feet of brass, he declares to this church, which has many things about it which are commendable. He says, I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works. And the last are more than the first. Here was a church that abounded in many good things. In fact, they were growing in their good works for God. The last works were more than the first. And that's a question we all could do well to ask ourselves. How is it now with you as compared to that first year that you were a Christian? Are your works today more than the first? We never stand still in the Christian life. Always we either progress or we go backward. We do not remain still. Are you progressing? The church in Thyatira was, and therefore there was much to be commended. But there was an evil cancer at the heart of this church, which, unless it was taken away, unless it was excised, would surely bring about the destruction of the Thyatiran church. Jesus, the Son of God, the one who tries the hearts and the reins, say, says, Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee. This softens somewhat the thrust of the Greek text, where he says simply, Notwithstanding, I have this against thee. For though there were many there that were very faithful, there was a core that were involved in gross immorality. Because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to, sed and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things offered to idols. They were being seduced into committing idolatry and fornication. We should ever remember that creed leads to conduct. It is always true that idolatry leads to licentiousness. That has ever been the case down through the centuries. What we believe determines what we do. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, Christ tells us. Now, it is certainly true today that we do not fashion idols out of stone or wood or brass. But nevertheless, today we make them more efficiently in the factory of the mind. We make the idols of our mind, and then we worship those. We make them according to our own image and our own likeness. I recall one time talking to a woman, and I was telling her the gospel, and I came to the part where I was talking about the judgment of God. And she stopped me. She said, Oh, no. She said, my God would never do a thing like that. And I said, Madam, you are absolutely correct. You have never said anything more truthful in all of your life than that. Your God would never bring anyone into judgment. The fact of the matter is, your God would never do anything at all. 
for he doesn't exist anywhere other than in the fantasies of your own mind. He is the idol of your mind. You have created him, and he is totally impotent to do anything whatsoever. However, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Scriptures, has declared explicitly what he will do, and that is that he will bring every evil thought and way into judgment. Yes, my friends, I'm afraid that too many today are guilty of the same idolatry which has led to the same sort of licentiousness which plagued the church in Thyatira. Pollster George Gallup said recently in St. Paul this. He said that America, the United States, is facing a moral and ethical crisis of the first dimension and needs to find spiritual answers to deal with the situation. We are facing in this country a moral crisis of the first dimension. It's interesting that in the last six months, something most astounding is taking place. The public schools of America are awakening at last to the same conclusion. There have been innumerable speeches that have been given by educators telling of the fact that the schools are facing a moral crisis. However, they don't know what to do. Only recently, I was interviewed by a reporter about this moral crisis in our schools, and it was interesting to watch him desperately search around for some sort of solution. He was obviously sincere and obviously wanted to find one. But uh, alas, my friends, the public educational system, America, has painted itself into a corner from which there is no escape. We have gotten rid of God. According to the decree of the Supreme Court, we have gotten rid of the Ten Commandments, according to a decree of the same Supreme Court. We have gotten rid of religion and all absolute morality. There are no absolutes left, and strive as they may, they cannot come up with anything to replace them. And so they are in a complete dilemma. They have produced moral chaos in the schoolroom, and they cannot find a solution because they have gotten rid of the only solution that there is. They have forgotten the warning of George Washington in his farewell address when he said that we should not be so naive as to suppose that we could maintain morality in the absence of religion. All history and experience forbids us to indulge in such a vain wish, he said. But we have been just that naive and just that foolish, and now having sown the wind, we are reaping the whirlwind. We are indeed facing today, even as they did in Thyatira, a moral crisis of the first dimension. Now it is interesting, I think, that they have tried every way to try to get rid of God and his moral absolutes and yet still have some guidelines for life. They have tried values clarification. They have tried relative morality. They have tried to tell the students to do whatever feels good. They have taken surveys and they've said, this is what most people are doing, therefore this must be the way to go. They have forgotten that you can never get 
an ought from an is. It doesn't matter whether everyone is doing it. That doesn't mean that you ought to also. It doesn't matter how many people are doing it. That doesn't mean anyone ought to join them. The Bible says that though hand be joined to hand, yet they shall not escape the judgment of God. And in the second psalm, we read those words which should be engraven upon the walls of our institutions today. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. That is exactly what they've done. The rulers of this nation and many others have taken counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed Christ. And they have said, let us break their bands, do away with the commandments, get rid of his absolutes. And what is God's response? Does God tremble at the thought? Does God, is God concerned about the latest Gallup poll, about the latest findings of the Kinsey report? Listen, my friend, nota bene, note well, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. You cannot throw off the bands of the Almighty. Your arm is too short to fight with God. A moral crisis in Thyatira and in America. Immorality is so frequently condemned in the Scripture because it is so utterly devastating to all of life. For example, immorality as thousands of years of history have shown is absolutely devastating to the body. When God condemns it, he does not do so because he desires to make our lives miserable. He does it because he loves us. And my friends, may I say to you, I preach this message with a heavy heart, not because I desire to condemn anyone, but because I know that there are some who are caught in this same quagmire, and I know that it is going to have devastating effects upon your life. Immorality is destructive of the family as well, and the families in America are coming apart at the seams, and one of the main reasons is because of immorality. C.S. Lewis, the professor from Cambridge and Oxford, said this, a society in which conjugal infidelity is tolerated must always be in the long run a society adverse to women. My friends, we are producing just such a society today. Immorality is destructive not only of the family but also of the church. You remember that when sin 
was in the camp of the army of the Israelites at Ai, that the whole army was thrown for a great loss and devastation came upon them. I wonder if there are those here today who have some sin in the camp, even as Achan had his secret sin hidden in his tent. And I'm sure that there are some in the church today who have secret sins that are preventing the church from advancing as it ought to do. My friends, are you this church's Achan? Do you have a secret sin hidden away in your life which is keeping God's blessing from the church of God? Immorality is also destructive to the nation. People suppose that they will cast off the bands of God, they will cast off the moral law of God, they will treat the Ten Commandments like ten suggestions. They suppose that having thrown all of these things off, they will be liberated from the moral and sexual restrictions of, pa of the past and will at last be free and happy. What does history teach? Twenty-six great civilizations have risen and fallen in this world. And the historian has said that in every one of those there was this march down the road of sexual permissiveness, which ended up not in freedom and happiness, but in destruction and slavery and misery as the barbarians overran the permissive society and the licentiousness was washed away in a stream of blood. No, my friends, it isn't liberation at the end of that road. It is slavery. Finally, however, Immorality is destructive of the soul, worst of all. This is the ultimate destruction. The Bible talks about this fact very clearly as far as fornication is concerned. And by the way, it's interesting today that uh, the average teenager doesn't even know what fornication means. Today we call it being sexually active for teenagers. In the case of adults, it's simply living together. But God doesn't use euphemisms. He describes things very clearly. In Galatians chapter 5, God says this, The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. My friends, could anything be plainer than that? But there is hope. The scripture always holds out hope. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 we read, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind shall inherit the kingdom of God. 
My friends, that is as categorical as it possibly could be stated. But the word of hope is this, and such, he says, were some of you. But ye are sanctified, ye are washed, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Such were some of those in the church at Rome, but God had come by the power of his Spirit and had transformed their lives. They had been born anew by the power of God's Spirit. Their lives had been cleansed, they had been washed and sanctified and made holy. They had turned from an abominable lifestyle unto that which is holy and pure. And God can do for you that which he did for me. He can wash away your sins with the blood of the Lamb. And you too can be justified and sanctified and cleansed by him. Your life can be different. Yes, we live in an immoral world, but like the white lily blossoming on a dung heap, so God calls us to be holy in the midst of an unholy world, to be pure in the midst of an impure world. And this is the best of life, the best of life in this world and the only life in the world to come. Ah, dear friend, Christ calls you, Christ implores you, and I urge you to a life of purity in an impure world. Be not deceived, for they that do these things have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. May we pray. O oh God, in the midst of a moral crisis in this land and around the world, we pray that thy spirit will come, that you will touch hearts, that you will lift eyes unto the cross, and their hearts may be broken, and their sins may be forgiven and lives may be made pure. May there be those that will cry out right now, O oh Christ, come into my heart. Change me. Break the bands of sin that shackle me and set me free. For thy name's sake, amen. I hope you prayed that prayer with Dr. Kennedy. And if you did, we have a special gift for you. It's beginning again, which is precisely what you're doing. As you read these pages and put them into practice, you begin to grow in your faith, something we must do if we are going to live the Christian life to the full. So don't miss out on receiving your copy of Beginning Again. Simply write to our address or call our toll-free number, and may God richly bless you. God calls us to be pure, in the midst of an impure world. But it can seem overwhelming when the world around us seems to be bent on disobeying God's laws. Sin has always been a factor in every culture, in every era, but we have seen a very rapid decline in our own nation over the last 50 years. It's no coincidence 
that this undeniable decline has come alongside federal courts instituting by fiat things like abortion on demand, same-sex marriage, and radically loosened restrictions on pornography. That's why it's so important to have judges who rule rightly and according to the Constitution rather than instituting policies that serve their own left-wing worldview, as we've seen for more than a generation. President Trump promised to nominate such judges to the federal bench, and he has fulfilled that promise beyond many of our greatest hopes. But even today, as we speak, more than 60 of the president's nominees are stalled as opposing senators obstruct their confirmation. And there are still more than 130 federal court vacancies. We have put together an urgent petition to Senate leaders calling upon them to use their expanded majority to get these judges confirmed immediately. Let them hear from you by signing this petition online at djkm.org forward slash judges. This is a rare opportunity to change the direction of our courts for a generation to come. That address again to sign the online petition to Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and Judiciary Committee Chairman Lindsey Graham, calling upon them to move forward with the confirmation of these 60-plus excellent judges is djkm.org forward slash judges. And we also have a vital resource to share with you that shows how judges have chipped away at our freedom by legislating from the bench, imposing a secular regime that is eating away at the foundations of our nation. As our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry, we will send you our book, Reclaiming the Lost Legacy, The Founders and the First Amendment. This book details the illegitimate removal of God from government and how we can reclaim America's biblical heritage. It's our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 888-332-3069. Or you can go online to djkm.org. Reclaiming the Lost Legacy features chapters from the writings of Dr. Kennedy, from Judge Roy Moore, and from me, among others. This compelling book explores America's deep heritage of freedom and will remind you why it's worth preserving today. And it will set forth concrete steps for how we can do this. We will send it to you as our thanks for your generous donation. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 888-332-3069. Or go online to djkm.org. 
I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.